thought I'd share some of my favorite how to do it tweets from you guys. This is from at I hate the refs. Wow. Strong opinions. Yeah. He says, I watched a woman spend 15 minutes deciding on what mop to get. And when she picked out one, I said, no, I wouldn't get that one. <laughs> this one's from at Little Rose 345. She says, my mom won't buy character mac, mac and cheese, so she bought regular mac and cheese and said that they were SpongeBob's elbows. <laughs> That's clever. That's smart. thinking. That's clever. This one's from at Rosarito1. She says, I had two ice cream bars left and three kids, so I ate both ice cream bars. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty good um maybe you've had to make those difficult decisions at home with your kids these days i don't know if you felt this I, I know i have um and part of it is just because of the pandemic that's going on uh but i think part of it is also just something we experience in different seasons of life um whether that be present or in your past, or maybe it's going to be in your future, um, where you have a, a season where you have a lot of have to do it. And I'm not talking the funny kind that you kind of laugh about. I'm talking the kind that kind of weighs on you, the kind that you got to figure out, the kind that forces you to learn some things new and navigate some challenging decisions. You know, these days, things used to be easy, uh, like just going to the grocery store, for example, uh, maybe going on a date or seeing your family. But now, it's like a project. Something that was so simple and normal has now become a project in and of itself. You used to not necessarily need help, um, or, or you used to be able to get help on, on these projects too sometimes, like watching your kids. You could get some help watching your kids, or you could get some help at work. Um, but now, you have to do so much more on your own. These life has become a lot more of projects to manage and a lot more of you having to figure it out on your own, especially as your coworkers are working from home, you're working from home, or maybe you're not able to work right now. And so this is a new season of life. This is a project in and of itself. I would suggest to you that we are kind of all in a season of a lot of DIY projects things that we have to tackle, and, um, and, and we have probably have months ahead of new projects that we're going to have to take on. Now, I realize when we think of DIY projects, we generally think in terms of like construction or maintenance-related things. Um, and I don't know how you feel about maintenance-related things, but for me, I certainly feel intimidated by these kinds of projects, the maintenance projects, the construction projects. This is not my forte. When we first bought a house um, out in Seattle a number of years ago, uh, I think, I can't remember what it was, but something broke in the house. Either it was the disposal or the dishwasher, something broke. And so I called and had somebody come and fix it for us. And then I got the bill. And I decided from that moment on, I am going to make these projects DIY projects. I'm going to YouTube things. I'm going to figure it out myself and save myself that money. But even with YouTube, I think DIY projects can be intimidating. You have to uh, enter into an uncharted territory. You're probably going to learn a lot in the process. You're going to have to make some adjustments along the way, much like some of the DIY projects that we're facing today. Examples are like staying healthy, maybe figuring out a new schedule, some of you, I realize, are on different shifts as parents just to make sure somebody's at home with the kids. Maybe your kids are now back in your home. You thought you got rid of your kids in the fall when they went off to college, and they're back, 
and they're there 24-7. You're feeding them again and everything in between, and that's just a whole new journey for you. You're doing school at home. Some of you are having to transition your summer plans, your summer internships because of everything that's going on. Um, some of you are in some really painful uh, places in life because you have lost someone uh, and you're mourning that someone, but you can't mourn them in the same way. And, and that whole process of, of grief has become a project in and of itself as if it wasn't already. Maybe some of you are looking through some work challenges or trying to find work, and that's a project in and of itself. There's just like a whole new financial landscape. We're going to be talking about finances, a whole new dating landscape. We're going to be talking about that, a whole new marriage landscape. We're going to be talking about that in this series. These are all new projects with new dynamics that you and I are having to take on. And a lot of it we're taking on on our shoulders because there's not other people who have been through these kinds of situations before. And these things that used to be simple aren't so simple anymore that are projects now. Now, really, honestly, anytime there's a change in our normal day-to-day life, anytime we have to take more responsibility on, anytime I just think the rules of life, the rules of our work, the, the game of life changes, uh, it's intimidating, and I would even go so far as to say it's an overwhelming. And I would say the DIY projects facing us today, like some of those I just mentioned, can be overwhelming, just more than maybe we are equipped or are wanting to handle. Pandemic or not, really, anytime things change, it can be overwhelming. And so I want to, we want to as a church, help you over the next few weeks in really practical ways Uh, And I don't honestly know for how many weeks we're going to be doing this series. I wasn't planning to even do this series. My whole sermon schedule has become a project in itself. We were going to talk about politics for a couple weeks after Easter, uh, and I thought that was going to be really fun. And maybe you still want to talk about politics. You can put that in the chat box and comment and let me know. Send me an email or something. But for the time being, I kind of want to help you with some of these projects that could seem overwhelming, that the dynamics have changed. That I, would, I think that in the midst of everything that's going on, there are still some things that are possible. That in the, in the coming weeks, we can help navigate some of those projects in a way that brings clarity and direction and stability. Because I think those are still possible for you, especially in the areas, especially in the areas of life that matter the most. Now, I recognize many of us are experiencing this pandemic in different ways. Maybe you live in a different part of the country, different part of the world, and the pandemic is affecting us all differently. But regardless of where we are, and regardless of how it's affecting us, regardless of the the challenges we're facing, I think in the midst of that, clarity and direction and stability are actually possible. Now, Whenever you are in the midst of these challenging situations, whenever you're in the midst of these moments in which you, maybe you feel like you're managing a lot of plates, keeping those plates spinning, and I realize not all of us are in that boat, like I just said. Maybe some of us are in the boat of, of, uh, of rest. This is a season of rest, i.e. sitting on the couch because there's not a lot you can do right now. Some of you are not even doing your hair. You're not even worrying about that this, these days. Some of you are in that boat. Some of you are in the boat of like you're out of work, and so that's kind of a top priority because you're trying to navigate that new landscape. Um, and I would just encourage you, no matter where you are in the spectrum, that these things are possible. And so what I want you to do for the next few minutes is just to stop what you're doing. Maybe you already stopped. Maybe you're just sitting there 
and I have your full attention right now, but I realize some of us are really tempted to go about and do, do some laundry, okay, get, do some dishes while, while Taylor talks in the background, um, and, and maybe you're, you're managing your kids, and so maybe just ask your kids to be quiet for a minute because they're kind of screaming right now, and, and you're like, how, do, how does he know that? And Well, part of it is I have a God connection, and part of it is I have children myself, and I guarantee you right now my six-month-old is sleeping and my two-year-old is running around screaming because we're about 30 minutes into service, so it's about that time things get a little crazy. But I just hope that you will take a second, stop, sit down, and give um, God and this message your attention because what we need to do for the next few minutes is to check priorities. In fact, you and I, we need to check our priorities, your priorities. We need to check that. Now, more than ever, we need to do a little check on your and my priorities. Because if our goal is clarity, if our goal is direction and stability, it starts with what we prioritize. Now, here's why I say that. Because one day, Jesus was walking along. In fact, they were on their way. That's how Luke begins this account of of Jesus' ministry. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. In other words, Jesus is walking along, gets to this town. Um, John tells us the town is Bethany, and she, Martha, invites Jesus in. We think Martha is Lazarus' sister. If you're familiar with some of the Bible characters, uh, you've heard about uh, Lazarus uh, and how Jesus was a good friend of Lazarus, and so Jesus knew Mary, knew Martha, and uh, her. And but regardless of their relationship, Martha had no doubt heard about and knew the rumors and and the miracles and everything that was kind of surrounding Jesus at this point in, the, in this uh, in his ministry at this point in time. That people had heard about Jesus, they had heard some incredible stories about what Jesus had done, some incredible stories about what Jesus had taught, and he was gaining a huge following at this point. And so I just want you to imagine for a second, what if Jesus was walking down your street, okay? Jesus, this man who who people says heals people and and invites uh, even the worst of the worst to follow him, and, and he now has this massive following. Imagine if you stepped out and said, Jesus, I want you to come in to our home. Now, that could probably most, most likely be somewhat overwhelming. It, it would be a lot. Um, you're, you're probably at least trying to pick up the living room a little bit, tidy up a little bit before Jesus, the possible Messiah, the chosen one who has been prophesied for thousands of years, is going to walk into your home. And it isn't just him. His disciples are along, so at least you got 12 others, if not uh, uh, many more, um, who weren't by name. And, and remember, at this point in time, they didn't have refrigerators, they didn't have freezers, they didn't have microwaves. So if you're going to have somebody over to your house, you're going to feed them a meal, all that kind of stuff. Martha has a lot of work to do. She's not just going to go to the freezer and pull out some frozen pizzas. She's got to go get food, prepare food, and everything in between to, to take care of Jesus and his followers. She has just not invited someone in. She has invited a lot of work and a really big project, major project, into her life because she wants to make a good impression. She wants to have good food. And so it makes sense at this point how this could be a little overwhelming. Now, Martha had a sister and her name was anybody? Okay, people in the room got it. I think somebody on the the West Coast got it too. Um, But yeah, her name was Mary. She had a sister called Mary. 
And now what happens is next is kind of where the story takes off and we get into some of the substance. Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. So this is, this is a little bit of a side sermon, uh, not related to our topic today, but where she is sitting is really important, especially to the ladies. She is sitting at the Lord's feet. She is sitting at the Lord's feet. There is only one other instance uh, uh, documented in, in that time period of a woman sitting at a rabbi's or teacher's of Jewish law, like Jesus was considered, feet. One other instance, and that was in about 200 AD, second, uh, and it, it was uh, a story of marriage and relationship, and, and it was mentioned in the story, but most people agreed that she was not a very well-respected individual to even sit at the feet. That's one story, and then this is the other. One other story. That's how big of a deal this was for a woman in those days to sit at Jesus' feet, because culturally women had no value. If, if a woman um, had seen a crime take place, they could not go before the, the group that was going to pass judgment on the criminal and, and act as a witness, because they were not considered, their testimony was not considered viable. That's how low a status women had in these times, especially in Jewish culture. And so Jesus comes along, and Jesus elevates women, the value of women, into this role uh, unlike any other rabbi, unlike any other teacher, and unlike really culturally was normal at that time. Because Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, which meant she was with the men. She was at the same place of significance as the men. She was learning the same, being discipled the same, what a statement Jesus was making to have Mary sit at his feet. It's a big deal. Okay, back to the message, today's topic. She was not running around, though. She was sitting. She was not around prepping. She was sitting. Where's Martha at? Well, Martha was distracted, Luke said, by all the preparations that had to be made. And I love how Luke says this. They had to be made. Because I think to Martha, she thought they had to be made, that there was no other option. Martha had to get these things done. That's how determined and focused Martha was to what the project that was in front of her and how she had to engage with it. And I don't know if this has happened to you, but I think Martha began to get really frustrated. The kind of frustration that happens when you feel like you're pulling the priority, the main weight of a project, right? A group project growing up in school where you were the person that had to do all of it and nobody else did any of it. And this is the point where Martha is getting upset at Mary because Mary culturally should be helping. Culturally, Mary should be in helping Martha prepare the food, prepare the home, not listening to Jesus. And so, Martha got to this point where she was so overwhelmed, so frustrated, she kind of like bursts into the room, okay? All the heads of the disciples, and Jesus looks up, and everybody's looking at Martha. And Martha is about to get a little snarky. You can almost hear the indignation in Martha's voice. She said, she came to him, Jesus, and asked, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care, Lord, that my sister has left me to do the work myself. 
tell her to help me. Tell her to help me. And Jesus responds in what I'm going to assume was a very calming voice because here's how he, how, how he starts. He says, Martha, Martha, right? Martha, Martha. Jesus, the master teacher, is setting Martha up to invite her to a new perspective, a bigger picture view of what was happening and inviting her to shift her priorities in the midst of this major project that she was trying to undertake. He was going to invite her to ask questions like, Martha, what really matters in this moment? What's, out of everything you have to do, what's most important? And this is Martha's problem. This is my problem. This is where I struggle. This is maybe you and where you struggle is we got all these plates in the air. Life's crazy. Every day's a new day. We're feeling a little bit overwhelmed. Maybe not all day, but certain parts of the day. And Jesus is trying to step into these moments and say, Taylor, Taylor. And here's what he said. You are worried and upset about many things. Many things, because big projects have many components, many things to tackle, many things going on. But few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Martha, you got so many things going on. Big, pressing things. Life-altering things, maybe. But I want you to look at Mary, because Mary chose to sit with me, to be with me, to make me, Jesus, the priority and the focus. Because here's what Jesus knows about you, and here's what Jesus knows about myself, is that our priorities, our priorities direct our power. Our priorities direct our power, direct our influence, direct our our strength, direct our conversation, direct our investment. They direct the power that we have. Now, I realize many of you, some of you at least, are thinking to yourselves, I don't consider myself a very powerful person. I I don't consider that I have personally a lot of power. I'm just going to say that I would have to disagree with you. I I would say that, that all of us actually have quite a bit of power. And I want to give you an example, and it's one of the most noticeable examples that I could give you to illustrate this point, and it's when someone has bad priorities. Therefore, they're directing bad, their power in bad ways. A bad priority is something like an addiction, something like greediness, something like lust, something like a power trip pride. What happens to you when you're around someone like that? Do you feel drawn towards them or pushed away from them? Drawn towards them or pushed away? Of course, most of us will feel pushed away from them. We don't want to be around someone who has bad priorities. We're going to avoid them. We're not going to engage with them. That's powerful. Those bad priorities have now shifted the dynamic entirely within the relationship. 
Or maybe on the flip side, on a positive note, think about some of the responses that you have seen uh, to this pandemic, to this virus. You have young children uh, and, and uh, teachers and family members and just anybody making, um, making masks. You have people who are being overly generous. You have people who are getting really creative to spread good news and positivity. You have road signs all around, uh, I know, our community um, that are supporting um, those people who are in, in health care. That's powerful. In fact, it was probably moving to you the first time you drove through a street that was full of these road signs uh, supporting our first responders and healthcare workers. That's powerful. And that was somebody who came up with an idea. That, that's power. You have power. You have influence into your children's lives. That's a generationally affecting power that how you treat your children and the influence you have in your children's lives will not only impact their lives, but will impact the lives of their children and their children's children. That's power. You have power into your nieces and nephews' lives. You have power into your roommate's life. You have coworkers that you influence and communicate with and connect with. You have power in that. The Christian perspective would say that God gave us power from the beginning. That from the beginning, God said uh, to, to man, you need to, you have dominion over the earth and, and you are in charge of it and you can subdue it. Power. In fact, honestly, for the rest of like the, the biblical story, God's story, it's this, uh, you know, back and forth between he and his people and this distribution of power and how they use power for good and which was a, a powerful and moving, uh, the, these powerful and moving situations, or when, when they used it for bad. And it was a really negative, heartbreaking part of the story. My friends, when I, th- when I think when you discount the fact that you have any power, you're also discounting the fact that priorities matter. I think when you discount that you have power, you're discounting how God created you and the influence and the authority that he has given you, not just to control your own life, but to influence other people's lives. And Jesus is saying, in the midst of this project, in the midst of this chaos, in the midst of this big important moment in which Jesus is sitting in this home, Mary is sitting and learning and making Jesus a priority. She's essentially taking her power and directing it towards Jesus and what Jesus is teaching and what Jesus wants his disciples to accomplish. Crises and chaos, when they come, Mary is going to be more equipped to handle that because she understands her priorities. She understands that she has influence, that she has power in this world. And other people will see it as you see it when someone has clear priorities, good priorities, and they make a difference. Martha was so busy preparing for that night's meal while Mary was sitting there preparing for the rest of her life. That's respecting and understanding that we have a decision to make. God has given us the ability to make decisions and have priorities and that we have influence, that we have power in this world, in the relationships around us. The other thing that Jesus knows is that we live in a Martha world. We live in a Martha type of world. And in a Martha world, we spend so much time trying to make our world perfect 
We don't prioritize the perfect person who's Jesus. We're so, we spend so much time trying to make our world. I'm not talking the world. I'm talking our world. I'm talking about what, who and what is in our little bubble. That, that which we have control over in our life whether it be the decor in our home, how we look, our appearance, our friends, our career path, our income, our fantasy football team, our social media pages, those things that make up our world. We want that to be perfect. Because listen, none of those things that I just listed off are inherently bad. There's nothing inherently wrong with friends or appearance or income. When it gets wrong, that what Jesus is trying to point out is we get the order wrong. We get the priority of those things wrong. God's not against income. Jesus made that very clear throughout his entire ministry. God's not against appearances, okay? God had a lot of fanfare. God showed up in a lot of dramatic and powerful ways. There's nothing necessarily wrong with even appearances or social media and how you connect. But just like Martha was so distracted with all that she had to accomplish in her organization, which there's nothing wrong with being organized. There's nothing wrong with putting on a good meal. Where it goes wrong is when it becomes the ultimate priority. Where it becomes wrong is when we miss things that are more important. During the season of my life when I was questioning my faith, I thought when I talked to other Christians that to be a good Christian, you just kind of had to give it all up. That you had to give your life to Christ, which meant you couldn't have anything nice, you couldn't make too much money, and like everything in between. It just really, life was not going to be that fun. That's what I thought based on talking to Christians and listening to pastors, that, that that's what following Jesus meant. Following Jesus means making Jesus the top priority. Now, that may mean you have to leave some things behind when you start following Jesus. That may mean you need to shift other priorities, but that is only based on the fact that Jesus is the priority. Jesus is first. Because doesn't it make sense that if, if God, and, and I realize for some of you, you're in a different place of your faith journey, you're just checking this out for the first time, and, and I completely understand that, but, but doesn't it make sense that if God, the creator, created all of this, that he would want us to prioritize the creator over his creation. That instead of making the priority his creation, we need to make him the priority first and let that affect everything that follows. Jesus said, and this is a really important word, if we go back to what he said um, to Martha, he said, you're worried about so many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. She has chosen the better option. In other words, that there are other options. There are other options. She's just chosen the better of all the options. There are good options, and then there are better options, and Mary has chosen the better option. And that better option, if you're new to faith, if you're new to understanding who Jesus is and how, who God is and all that in between, I just want to give you a quick synopsis of the better option. I want to give you a quick synopsis of, of Jesus. Jesus was the kind of guy who prioritized the outcasts. 
when no one else would. He prioritized the downtrodden when no one else would. He invited those who were hated, those who were ignorant, those who were lost to follow him. He taught us to love our neighbor and care for the sick and to be generous. Jesus wants to be with us, for us, even when we can't be there for ourselves. Jesus wants to be there for our children and their children, even when we are no longer able to be there for them. Jesus was the kind of king, because they called him a king, who laid his life down for his subject. What kind of king does that? That's the Jesus type of king. That's the person that Mary made priority number one. Jesus is all for you. Jesus loves you. And as God's son, Jesus represented God the Father and gave us an idea of what God the Father thinks about when God the Father thinks about us and thinks about you. And he says to Mary, and he says to Martha, and he says to you and I, what is the better priority? What is the better priority? When you're looking at your schedule this week, is your schedule driving you or is your priorities driving your schedule? And you have a unique opportunity here because before we were just so busy, I think, all the time. We had so many events. You know, even you come to church, you got to leave early because you got to get to this event and it's just back to back to back to back stuff going on. And we're kind of all stopping. At least most of us are having to stop at least for a portion of our day. Jesus is asking us to think about what is a better priority. When you're staring down all the projects and challenges, not just this week, but in the weeks ahead, what is the better priority? What, what matters most? Your answer to this question matters. You have power. And I realize that's a strong word, and some of you are going to leave this message struggling with that. But I think you are stronger people than you think you are. I think you have more influence than you think you do. I think you have the opportunity to impact others that you don't realize that you can actually impact. And when you discount that, you're dishonoring yourself, you're dishonoring God, and you're dishonoring those you love because you have the opportunity to make a difference. Some of you are in a season of life right now where you're sitting, you're, you're in a season of rest, you're, you don't have a lot going on. Don't miss the opportunities that are before you because your priorities are just on standby mode. You have a lot of time on your hands right now to consider your priorities, to maybe rewrite the book of your priorities. You have an opportunity that when life somewhat returns to normal or begins to feel more normal, that we all can start out that new normal with new priorities, maybe starting with priority number one. Something I've learned so far, especially over the past couple of weeks that this has been going on, and I, I don't know about you, but it just doesn't feel like weeks. <laughs> it feels like months. That pandemics or just really any crises in general tend to make our priorities clear. They tend to make our priorities clear. I tell you, I'm a Martha. I struggle more than anything with the Martha mentality. I struggle to be Mary and to sit and be present 
I struggle to, to stop trying to make my world perfect and focus on the perfect person. So I get where you may be struggling with this as well. But until we stop and recognize, hey, what's going on right now? What have you been most worried about in the middle of this pandemic, in the middle of your crises? What have you been spending the, a lot of your time, a lot of your energy, a lot of your thoughts on? I realize there's a lot of heartache out there right now. And I realize there's a lot of things that you are understandably and rightly upset about or hurt by. I'm not saying some of the things that you're spending your time on are wrong. I'm just, send, I'm just asking you to think about what's most important and could there be a better order to those things in your life? As Christians especially, and maybe for you at home, checking into church for the first time or trying to learn and grow in faith for the first time in a long time, what is the better priority and could Jesus be that better priority? Could that man who gave his life that we celebrated last Sunday be someone that we could put our trust in, that could help us to navigate even the most challenging of situations, challenging situations that we're facing today or will face in the weeks to come? I hope you'll stick around for the rest of this series as we talk about how Jesus can make a really helpful, impactful difference in key areas of our life. Some of the areas would, which we feel like right now are the most chaotic, or we're resisting the chaos that we're feeling. We're trying to avoid it. We're, in some cases, trying to deny that it's actually there. Whether you're watching during a, this pandemic or, or not, we will have chaotic times of life going forward. Parenting, financing, all that. And how can we bring clarity? Because clarity is possible, but it starts with recognizing what is the priority and wrestling with, could Jesus be, should Jesus be, can Jesus be the ultimate priority? That will be the lens that we look at as we look at the next few weeks of topics. And that's the lens I would encourage you as you go through your week, this upcoming week, you're continuing to be stuck at home, you navigating some tough choices, whatever that looks like, that you would step back and say, in the midst of this moment, in the midst of feeling a bit like Martha, or maybe in the midst of just kind of sitting here, what is the better priority? What is the better priority? If you would, wherever you're watching from, if it's safe to do so, bow your head, close your eyes, and I want to pray with you. Heavenly Father, Lord, we got a lot of things jostling for our attention these days. We have a lot of discussion to have with those around us. Got a lot of challenges to kind of face down and figure out. Lord, we got heartbreak. We got loss to manage. We have months to come of navigating a new normal, many projects ahead of us, many of which we're taking a lot on to our own shoulders. Lord, I pray that no matter where these wonderful people who are watching online this morning are in the midst of their lives, that they would feel your presence, that they would feel the love you have for them 
maybe for the first time, maybe for the first time in a long time, they would feel your presence in their life and know that it's okay and know that they don't have to go running around the house trying to get everything ready and perfect and get everything in their world ready and perfect. That they just need to be present with you to maybe prioritize you for the first time. Maybe get to know you for the first time. Lord, it is hard to put faith in someone like you whom we don't know yet. So maybe that is our next priority, to make you a priority and make getting to know you a priority. Maybe it's a priority to reconnect with you or stay connected with you through this challenging season of life. But that we would reassess what those priorities look like and lean on you as a rock, as a compass, as the one we follow, even through the most challenging times. Lord, give us the the wisdom, the people, the community, the church to be around us as we navigate this. Help us not to just walk away and get defensive from from this challenge that, that Jesus gave Martha, that really he's giving to us, but to engage with it and not walk away. Lord, thank you for the words of Luke and this story and your son. In your name I pray, amen.